Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. I might ask a question of, well, what do you want to create here? And I can read the authentic potential. No matter what the person answers, I can read the potential of the situation mm. or the potential of the person or the potential of the organization. This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Well, hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Aria Raphael, and she is as beautiful inside as her voice is, and she is on the outside. And today, we're going to talk about her entrepreneurial journey and some of the skills that she brings to her clients. Welcome, Aria. Thank you so much, Wendy. I'd love to start out. I love to understand people's journey. And I know you've had a lot of different roles and different places and you've moved around this planet. And I'd love to hear where you've been, what you did and how that's kind of led you back to back home to Halifax. Yeah. Well, I am originally from Nova Scotia. I was born and raised here uh, through high school. And then I had the opportunity to go to the United States for university. So I chose that. Uh, and I lived in the U.S. for 22 years. Uh, and, you know, the short end of people asking, how did you get back to Canada? If there was really a calling, uh, sort of like an, like almost like a little gentle itch. It was about six years ago. And um, that ultimately brought me back to Canada. <clears throat> but yes, I have moved around quite a bit um, and done a lot of different things in life. It was um, 15 years ago that I began to feel called into what it is I'm now doing and then to some degree really began that um, 14 years ago and iterations of it grew and developed over time so that's sort of the general big picture um, yeah the 30,000 foot view of of it I, I find it interesting though because sometimes we'll have conversations and you're like oh yes I worked there and did this and, <laughs> yes. and I, I often think that I think that when we end up on our journey it, it's from little pieces of everything along the yes. way right yes. um, so uh, you worked in financial services what did you do there yeah well you know, for a long time, I was trying to figure out why, why do I have all these really interesting jobs that take me in these interesting directions? And this moment of realization and revelation came to me and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm getting trained in many different industries so that I understand how business really works. Right. And so that I understand all these different industries. And when I was able to understand that sort of in my heart and contextualize it that way, I, you know, it was really easy to embrace the fact that I had this very diverse range of business experience. But yes, um, to the, you know, one example uh, of what I did, I actually was invited to 
a job and I wasn't sure if it was going to be up my alley just in the beginning. And then I learned more and I was like, oh yeah, this is really cool. I'm going to learn a lot here. And I was invited to uh, participate or to work with a investment company and I had to get licensed, uh, by, via, you know, the SEC regulations. I was in the U S at that time and it went through the extensive, you know, 100 hours of studying, the crazy hard tests, and uh, got licensed as a securities agent so that I could um, legally um, sell uh, investments and blind pool um, opportunities for a number of different kinds of, of, of uh, investments. So uh, I did that, and that was really amazing and a great learning experience. And when some of the things uh, shifted in my life, I shifted the focus again. But yeah, so I have a really um, strange, uh, you know, strange and diverse background, given the fact that I ended up in what people might consider to be somewhat spiritual. Yeah. And I'm going to just say really upfront that to me, what I do, although it's going to seem really spiritual to some people, for me, I don't relate to it that way mm -hmm. because I've always known from the very beginning that why I was doing what I was doing in the world of something more spiritual was to have it be more practical. It was right. always meant to be, you know, about, you know, financial stability and extraordinary, exquisite relationships and, you know, having whatever we want to experience in life and have in life and um, breakthroughs and, and challenging emotional and mental situations. And um, to me, that you know, that access is a number of things, but really it brings us back to, it's about real life. You know? Right. Yeah. And I, I love that balance of real life versus, if you will, the spiritual, right? Because I think they do feed on each other. So um, when I think about, um, you know, your role now as a manifestation coach. Why don't you tell us what that is first before we yeah. go down a little further? Sure. Well, I like to call myself a manifestation and self-actualization coach. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, because there's a lot of different things that I, I provide and I offer and contribute. Um, let me start with the self-actualization part. You know, when we are fully self-actualized, we're fully embodying our potential and living out our potential. We're inside our experience of purpose. Mm -hmm. We are, um, you know, centered within our own power. We are free to speak as we need to and say what we need to. We feel comfortable in our boundaries. We are grounded. We are living out a life that is really just full and mm -hmm. as much as possible unlimited and, uh, and in a very grounded way. Mm -hmm. So everything that that could be in self-actualization, it can vary from person to person what it is to be self-actualized. Oh, realizing. interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about that for a second? Well, I so think self-actualization and you are fully self-actualized. It could be two different experiences. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, yes, absolutely. I mean, if we want to take a whole range and gamut of people, some of us are more introverted. Some of us are, um, let's say for the, the very beautifully sensitive, empathic artist. Um, and what is that to be fully self-actualized and freed up? And, you know, are you doing public speaking? Maybe not, but that's perfectly okay. 
you know, what is it to be in your sense of greatest self-expression? That's really what I mean when I say it looks, um, it looks different across, it can look different because what your self-expression, my self-expression are, would be different. That's all I meant in the nuance of it. Why would I want to be self-actualized? Well, I'm going to answer the question from a slightly spiritual place. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that, um, you know, we each came here to this planet. If you want to look at it that way, we all have different philosophies. I don't ever push a one belief system on anybody, of course, but just experientially, you could say you're here for something. Mm -hmm. Um, and what that something is, is going to feel different, um, again, across, across the range. Um, but we, you could say that we're here for an experience. It could be a healing experience. It could be someone is here to master the piano. It could be someone is here to master the piano and just share that music in the world so that it provides healing or provides inspiration. Um, you could say that someone is here simply to experience what's good, or someone is here to, from the deepest of humble places, provide something in service to others. Mm. So there is a range of what that might feel like and be like, uh, and the why we're here when we're called into that, how do we then get there? You know, some of us, I think our lives are very set set up very, very easily to fulfill on that. And for others among us, it's not set up easily. It's going to take more effort or work or even healing to undo those things that are limiting us from that experience and from you know, from that being fully self-actualized, so. And so you help people through this, um, I guess, either in a group setting or in a one-on-one setting. Can you talk about the difference and why why would group coaching work in this area? Yeah, well, you also asked about manifestation, right? Yeah. And, and to that, manifestation is a part of self-actualization in some senses, because when we're really in our power, uh, and we feel that we can create life in alignment with what's best for us and then fulfill on, realize, actualize, manifest that mm-hmm. we are feeling self-actualized. Oh, I can say that I want this and I'm going to be actually able to fulfill on it no matter what society has told me, no matter what my parents and my family has told me, no, what, no matter what I have told myself. So manifestation ties into that. And so I, in terms of the group setting, um, you know, manifestation is one of the things I teach in a group setting. I do also do that in a one-on-one setting. Um, I do a lot more in the one-on-one private sessions, but in the group, to answer your question, in terms of the group, um, it is so fantastic to teach things like manifestation in a group Mm. because there is a collective conversation happening when you're in group. So I'm not just speaking to something that is specific to say you, Wendy, Mm -hmm. and the nuances of what is relevant for you, which is what happens in the one-on-one setting, right? I'm giving very individualized perspective. For instance, I will 
you know, channel languaging that works even just for you, right? The exercises and the words change from session to session sometimes based upon mm-hmm. who I'm talking to, which is really cool, right? But in the group setting, what's awesome about it is that, you know, I'm receiving information or I'm providing information that's bigger in the sense it's broader. Mm-hmm. Um, and by broader, what's awesome about that is we sometimes will then learn something as participants because there are other people in the room right. that we might not have even gotten had we not been with other people in the room. Mm. And you've worked with companies as well. Yes. Not some, like, what do you do for them? Uh, well, it varies based upon the organization. I'll often, I always like to work with the leaders. Um, I've come to understand over time that organizationally, it starts with the leaders. The leaders mm-hmm. are really holding that pivotal creation point that trickles down to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I always, it's so important to work with the leaders and have the leaders transform something for themselves and what they're creating and providing for the group. But otherwise then I work with the group as a whole. So we, it's so much fun um, because we create together as a group which where there may not have been places of cohesion, okay. suddenly there is more cohesion because there's collaborative feeling of, oh, we're in this together. We are creating something positive and powerful together. Right. And if I'm not contributing to that as an individual, that's on me. I have a say in this. And so and you t- I would assume you're tying that back to what the leader wants the organization to achieve. Yes, but the leader, it, it depends. So the leader um, will set the tone. I mean, the vision starts with the leader because usually it really, again, I say it depends because every organization can be a little bit different, but it's pretty typical that the leader is the owner and with the, uh, or at least the president or the one carrying the vision, let's say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the leader very often with business owners has an idea of what the product is, how they want it to go, what have you. However, so it starts there. Um, But then the team really can get behind at least some of the elements. I mean, the team is there because they like what is being sold or being provided. Um, And from there, then the team can create, well, how are we going to manifest this together? What do we want to manifest? Mm-hmm. Here I am sitting at my desk doing my job. I have a say in what kinds of clients we interact with as an employee. I have a say in what my experience gets to be inside the group. Well, I, I, I get to say and how I want the culture to feel. Mm-hmm. And then people understanding that the ownership of leadership increases mm-hmm. and people generally feel more inspired to show up to work knowing that they can contribute. So yes, the leader does set that here's what we're generally providing. I want to make sure that our value set is integrity. I want to make sure that our value set is trust and inside that, you know, then the team can create. So I do that, I work with the leader, I work with the group, and then if the organization allows me, I work with the team members individually. 
Okay, cool. No, okay. So you've worked for financial services firms and done everything else. And now you're a manifestation and self-actualization coach. Lead me, tell me how that bridge happened, right? Because it may not be, is it just that you, you went to a course yourself and saw something or how did this happen for you? Um, I was living life going through life just normally I was I had a great job uh, and I had a friend who invited me to participate in the transformational personal development course um, I then had another friend who shared the same course with me and mm-hmm. you know by the time we get to a couple people mentioning it <laughs> you know you're like okay well maybe there's something in this yeah. um, I went and I checked it out and I was like I'm in so I took the course and um, there's a lot of extraordinary transformational personal development courses in the world. Um, so you can access this in you know many different ways, but I had a profound breakthrough there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was where all of my psychic gifts really opened up. Excellent. And uh, from there, I, was, I wanted to take another course. So I took another course and I wanted to take another one. And um, I just realized, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. I'm meant to be learning how to coach, transform. And I just kept following the path. And it was like breadcrumbs, right? I didn't know where I was going. Yeah. And I just, from there, I just kept following what the calling was. So what would you say your unique ability is? I have a number of them. I, um, one of the unique abilities that I have, um, although I do believe that we can learn how to channel, um, I do channel, you know, and I, I interact with things that are not seen, let's say. Okay. Right. Like people's higher self. Um, and I I channel very unique information. So that's one of the reasons I can sit in a session with someone and provide and know the languaging that's meant to be provided for the person or will provide a dynamic exercise for a person that I have, I have personally never heard of before in a session. But one of my, I've, uh, you know, a couple other unique um, abilities to, to speak to one is um, it is a lot of the work I do one-on-one with people. Mm -hmm. And that actually is part of the bigger manifestation picture, which is to provide healing and undoing of our consciousness that is not say aligned or a match for that which we want, um, but also just a very deep healing of consciousness. And I use, techniques of integration and quantum healing, which are big words. Like, what do we even mean by all that? Right. Um, Yes. But really I teach people how to work with their own higher self, um, their own light to affect a very powerful healing in their body and their mind and their, with their soul in their field, all of it. So that is certainly um, there's some dynamic things in there. And although that is a unique ability, it's one that I feel passionate about teaching people. Mm. I will lastly say one of my favorite unique abilities is I came to recognize over time that I have this ability to read potential. 
And so that really helps me in my work. Yeah. So when I'm standing with somebody and I'm coaching them or I'm sitting, (laughs) you know, on the phone or I'm standing in a business working with them, I might ask a question of, well, what do you want to create here? And I can read the authentic potential, no matter what the person answers, I can read the potential of the situation Mm. or the potential of the person or the potential of the organization. Like, okay, well, I love what you've created, but it's actually not speaking to the wholeness of your potential. So let's create it from what the wholeness of your potential actually is, which is much bigger and then build to there. Do you think that when you start with people that they have in some way limited their potential with the way they think or act and that part of you, you see the bigger picture and can help them get there? Yeah. Well, the answer is yes, but really I will say that I feel it, or it seems more common that it's our cultures or our culture that has limited us. Okay. Tell me more about that. Well, we're not taught that. I mean, what I do is unique. I think because we weren't taught that it was okay to be or normal (laughs) to be psychic or be channeler or, you know, have these innate, really interesting dynamic gifts. And I will sit very often with people and say, well, you're a, you're a medium. Did you know that? Or you are, um, you know, this, this, this really is who you are. And, you know, very often, sometimes people will start crying or because it's really like, oh, there's my soul, right. As connection to their soul experience. Yeah. And, uh, it's, I mean, to be really fair, my family loved me dearly, but I, I wasn't, you know, opened to that even as a young person. So, which is why it took me a while to have that open for me. So I, I think it's really what we have learned along the way, maybe, or we weren't, it wasn't seen in us when we were young, whatever that gift, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or it's something that, yes, we then limit ourselves in. And then do I teach it? Well, sometimes all I do is help open it or I help people see it for themselves. And then whether or not I teach it is based upon whether I have that skill set to teach it, of course. You know, based on what it is. Um, But at the very least, what I can provide is, you know, the what are some of the aligned steps or how do you connect to your inner being so much that you can discern what the aligned steps are forward and be led to what you need to do to begin to realize that potential. Oh, fascinating. So the question that I have is um, in the era of COVID, has it changed how you do your business? And and then and also maybe how do you get clients? Mm. You no, know, now that we're, you know, in our houses all the time. Yeah. Um, my business was really set up for this. I just did the nature of it um, prior to COVID. I mean, I had actually already uh, opted to do all of my work over the phone. I don't even do Skype work or sorry, when I, I like uh, video streaming. Um, in my sessions, I just do it over the phone. And uh, that's because a lot of what I also teach people, um, I can often teach boundaries with people. And 
we're, that was going to take us down another tangent okay. path to describe all that, but to say um, it's really most effective and helpful for me to teach that work with people when they can't see me because uh, that's a distraction I, to see. Yeah. You? It's a distraction to see me. So I don't want people's focus to be on me at all. I want the focus to be on themselves. So what, you know, and it, the way I actually work is that I um, receive or I can um, I'm allowed uh, a, call it a holographic um, channel of what that person needs. So I, again, we could go into much greater detail about all that, but to say, that is just at least say, that no, the, um, the work didn't change for me because I was already doing all the work over the phone for the previous, oh, I don't know, long, many years. Um, and so, yeah, and I already had clients that were all around the world. So nothing had shifted that way. I was already, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not brick and mortar, right? So yeah, that is just to say, no, nothing shifted for me. Um, how do I get my clients? Okay, this is, I love this question. So uh, what you asked is perfectly perfect. Um, but what resonates for me to say is I don't get my clients. Mm -hmm. In other words, I don't try to go out there and get people. And that nuance for me is um, it came when I began to understand manifestation uh, at a different level and also aligned manifestation. So I, of course, I'll explain what I mean. The um, there's, I, I operate from a, I suppose you could call it a philosophy of manifestation alignment and abundance. So I never want a client because I need the money, let's say. Mm -hmm. I only want to work with people who I can most powerfully serve. It really is a powerful match for both of us. Um, and we're both happy in it. And that for me is an abundance mindset, right? Like that the perfect people are there. And I do understand it that, you know, certainly I can be finding people, but I also really operate more from, I allow people to find me. And when I come from this mindset, it, it really shifts. I'm not trying to go out there and, um, well, get anybody to do something. I deeply, deeply, profoundly trust each person's movement to know what is best for them. Mm. Even though sometimes I obviously, I, you know, I work with people who are like, I don't think I, I need your help with that. I don't know that I know what I want or I need. And I still always want to put power back to the other, to the individual to say, great, well, let's have you find that. But what does your intuition say? What do you feel is right for you in this? So that first is my context. Um, that said, in terms of how do I, how do I help people find me? <laughs> um, or how do I help people? How do I help us find each other? Um, you know, there's, I do a lot of the, some of the standard things. 
you know, uh, I, I met you at a networking event, you know, here we yeah. are, dear friends. Um, so I, I do, um, I do things like go out and I do meet people. Um, you know, I do post and provide information about what I do on social media. Um, you know, I love my email list people, you know, so of course then share information um, mm. on my email list. One of my favorite things to do because it feels very connected. Uh, and yet some of the uh, most, some of the ways that are the, the predominant ways that people and I find each other are for, through, for me, referrals. Mm. And I actually, I understand that that is, you know, I've been doing what I do for 14 years. So that's not necessarily always easy for people who are just starting out to be fair, but you know, if we hold our space and our power in, okay, I'm gonna just continuing to provide the integrity of something really positive and powerful in what I do, that referral base does increase ideally. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, um, it's really in also manifestation. Um, as you ask this question, I'm remembering something very cool. Okay. And that is, I had um, a house in Los Angeles I happen to be renting it, a beautiful big house. And I was managing it insofar as I was finding all the people to live there. And so I would post, you know, every time I needed a housemate, I would post about the house and how, you know, lovely it was. And I would get answers, of, uh, of course, in response to the ads. And a amazingly significant number of people who answered the post would come look at the house and then say to me, I don't think I'm supposed to live here, but I think I'm supposed to take your courses. <laughs> and I met some of my dearest, closest friends by way of just advertising um, that I had this house, these a room for rent in this house, and or um, some of my you know longest term clients as well. So, so, so the question I have that is, who should be looking for you if, if they're not, you know what I mean? Like who, who needs you? Like, how do they, how do you recognize that they need someone like you in their life? Like what's going on? Great question. I think, um, I, the first answer that really comes to my mind is anybody who feels like there's something more in life that hasn't yet gotten fulfilled. There's sometimes that itch within you're like, I know there's more to this life of mine. I just can't figure out even what that is. I just have that feeling though. And we break open that feeling into mm -hmm. find what is the more and how do you get there? And, or a lot of people who will be going through a really tough time emotionally. I actually really do a lot of work emotionally and in consciousness with people. So sometimes people who are like, I just need some support right now. And I feel like I need it to be maybe a little balance of some cerebral understanding, of course, but really a deeper healing integration work. Um, and, you know, that sense of purpose as well. And sometimes people come to me just for manifestation coaching, but we end up doing all the healing work. Mm. Or sometimes they come for the healing work and we end up just working on, you know, not just, but we end up working on their business. So, um, yeah, it's, it, those are probably some of the, the key things, but really people who feel something in their heart 
and um, maybe you're even looking to connect a little bit more to the soul level of things. Yeah. Okay, so soul level connection. And do you feel that the soul level connection, that's where real potential starts to show? Yes. Okay. And where the real guidance is and the real fulfillment is. I mean, even if you own, you know, a real estate business and, you know, you know what your work is and you know it well. And there's something when we connect to the soul level of ourselves that we end up being guided into an even deeper fulfillment and a nuanced expression of how we do what we do mm. that gives us a whole, gives what we do a whole new life to it. There's um, a lot of talk around the power of why. Do you feel like that may be a deeper connection to your why is what this is, or is that too superficial? Yeah, it's, a, it's I don't, uh, don't disagree with that question. Um, here's the thing uh, that I have come to understand about that question of why is that sometimes we're able to access that answer to the why on a soul level, but sometimes we get stuck in our heads. Mm. And when we get stuck in our heads, it does remain a little superficial. And it's just because we're generally in our culture, not taught how to access something on the soul level. Mm -hmm. But I also will say uniquely that what it can be true is that our why, our experience of why will change. Mm. we're looking for a constant why to give us direction because we sometimes feel a little lost but really that why is meant to be organic sometimes sometimes mm -hmm. I don't want to I don't want to invalidate anybody knowing their why through and through and through and through right of course of course um, but sometimes we are guided to do something we didn't even think that we do the day before hmm and by being right, you know, in that connection to that, we suddenly find, oh, that was profoundly fulfilling. Sorry, go ahead. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, I know that part of your practice, a lot of it is sort of um, meditations and things of that nature. Would you say that um, quietness is the first step towards mm -hmm. hearing your soul? Yeah. Um. Let me just qualify meditations, such a vast and diverse oh, yeah. understanding of what meditation is. Um, I, I generally, I sometimes will refer to them as meditations, but really they are guided, it's really guided exercises to take us into a new dynamic space. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's less about just calming the mind, although that true too. To answer your other part of your question, this is an interesting one because, again, it's not um, static. It changes a little bit based upon who I'm working with. Um, so does it take us getting calm and quiet? That will help immensely. Mm. And some people don't need to go there to access the right next action. They just allow themselves to be guided in a certain way. So um, how I help people access that can be by getting calm and connecting within. Very importantly, absolutely always a foundation, but it also can do with cracking something open energetically 
mm-hmm. um, in other parts of themselves to access other other sort of dimensional elements of our being. There we go. They're going. They're, now we're starting to go into like the quantum, the quantum stuff, right? Um, but it is, it is, it is true. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Let's go back to um, Aria as a business owner and think a little bit because here is this very spiritual work you do mm-hmm. and it's encased in a business. Yes. So it almost feels like it's a little oxymoronish for some people, you know, yeah. because there's this practical side to running a business and a lot of it has to do around money. How, how do you work with money? How do you feel about money? What's your first memory of money? Oh, from the spiritual side and from all these other pieces. Um, love it. So great. Let me start with a, a couple pieces. I think, you know, or I've noticed, I should better say, I've noticed that sometimes for those, you know, that are connected to something spiritual that we, we want to say that money um, is too inherently human <laughs> um, and, and that it is not good because of that. Um, beyond, of course, it feeding us and giving us shelter and all of, all of those things. Um, and yet, really, that's just part of the, I wanna use an interesting word, the decomposition of all of the belief sets that we have about money and the, um, the undoing then of all of these limiting beliefs that we have about money, because money itself is a very pure exchange of something. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, sometimes there's that projection of what, you know, human beings put on it. He, money itself is not by inher- inherently by any means greedy, right? There's nothing, of, there's money is itself just a beautiful expression of abundance, which um, is really where my first memory of money comes from. Uh, which I, I, re- I love this memory and the experience of this memory so much, but it had a really unique happening. Um, so I was five years old and I lived, uh, we lived in the country and I somehow was inspired to go take one of my mom's empty egg cartons, break them up. And so that each one of the little, you know, egg at holes, whatever, um, was separate. And then I had the idea to cut little holes on either side and put some pipe cleaner on, um, and wrap it around so that I'd made these little egg carton baskets. And then I didn't tell any, I didn't tell my mom what I was doing, you know, at that, you know, at that time I just run out the back door and go out and play for wherever she never, you know, maybe she'd ask where I was going. Maybe not. Anyhow, so whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly. Be back in time for dinner. So I took all my little egg carton baskets and I started to go around, you know, walk down the street a little, knocked on a neighbor's door and said, hi, I'm selling these little egg carton baskets for 25 cents. Would you like one? And everybody bought one, of course. I'm sure those little adorable kids, like here's this little dinky something, you know, who knows if it's practical, you know, retrospective, maybe they just threw it away. But of course, you know, yeah, they gave me the 25 cents for it. I loved it. I was having so much fun. It was just, oh, the feeling, the essence of it and my whole little tiny being was so good. And I go home and I share with my mom what I just did. And she goes, and in total mom, awesome support. Like, you know, she wasn't being negative. And I remember the tone of her voice was actually even quite soft. And she said, 
probably something, you know, encouraging. Oh, that's great, honey. But she said, you know, though, I, I think 25 cents might be a little bit much for that. And I said, well, how much do you think it's worth? And she said, mm, I don't know, maybe 10 cents. And there was something that just instantly deflated me. Mm. Because one, I had just sold something to people that for more than it was, you know, my mother thought it was worth. So I felt badly that I had just done that. Mm. Right? Like, oh, shoot, I just, did I just rip them off? (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I use that word at the age of five, but something like that, you know, the essence of that. And or then there was a little bit of a doubt of maybe did I, did I know what something was worth? Mm. And it, in all the beautiful intention my mother would have had, it took the magic out of it for me Mm. because money, I loved money so much. And I hadn't been taught all those things yet about greed and blah, 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 and there were nothing about money yet. For me, money was like, you know, as good to me as, you know, 50 barrels of ice cream. It just was like abundant and fun and an expression of creativity and an expansiveness and awesomeness. And, you know, later in life, I had to really undo a lot of core beliefs that limited me from that experience of abundance and love of money. Oh, no, 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 no. And it affected how you priced yourself going forward, like the salaries you asked for, how much you charged for your packages, et cetera. Yes. Well, which brings to another interesting point, but I will say I had to reconnect to it's okay to love money. Right. It's really, it's okay to be as in love with it as I was when I was five. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with all that other human stuff of greed or anything else. It doesn't, you know, it's not about, you know, hoarding it or stockpiling it and, you know, not sharing it. It's not about any of that. It's, It's about just this abundant love for it. Yeah. So I rediscovered that. And, you know, I, I price, I price my, my, of my offerings now in a way where I try to find a very good balance yeah between that 25 cents and the 10 cents <laughs> yeah 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 I, so I might not go for the tw- like for the 25 cents that I actually feel you know that it's worth yeah because I do want to make it accessible to as many people as possible yeah. but I also you know I don't quite go to the 10 cents right so it's it's not, it's not quite the like, oh, I'll get just the bare minimum, but it's right. also let's, let's have this be what feels accessible. At what, at what age or what happened to you when you recognized that messaging had happened at five? Um, it was probably about anywhere from maybe 12 to 15 years ago inside okay. of all of my, my very deep more extensive personal development work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often think that recognizing is half the battle because then you yeah. can start seeing the patterns yeah. and start investigating what parts of these is still serving me. Yes. Right. Yeah. There's usually in the message is some good, some bad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, I mean, can you actually, are, can you share more about that? What, 
Well, yeah, I think that what, what I see is that with these patterns, it can affect people in the, re the relationship with money affects a lot of people in how they deal with their money, uh, how they may or may not limit themselves in terms of their work or anything of that nature. So I feel like it's a very important topic um, that people understanding the relationship with money and yes. getting back to where it's in that pure form that you talked about at five, right? I think that's, if we could get all get there, the world would be a different place. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, on that note, does anyone have a question? Let's bring in the audience. Mel I always go to Melanie first. She's good. She's always got a good question. <laughs> yeah, I always have something to say. <laughs> we love it. We love it. I'll fill the space. Um, yeah. Uh, so I can personally speak to and it's interesting to me because we come from different frameworks but there's a lot of as soon as I went to your workshop and you were speaking um, to uh, it was a workshop about um, in a way having difficult conversations but by speaking to the best in the person you're having a difficulty with and I was like mind blown I just thought I'd never heard it that way before and it made such sense to me and I guess I come at things from uh, a layperson's a lot of reading about psychology and stuff. And the thing that I found really interesting is that when we met later on, all of the things that you said you were, um, uh, that you've talked about here, I experienced even from a non-spiritual yes. perspective, which is what I wanted to put out there. So it's not a question. It's just that, and we had a really good conversation about that because we, we both knew we were coming from different spaces, but there was a connection mm. and we, we kind of recognized the truth mm. of things, but just from a different narrative. And I, I wonder, so I am, I am getting to my question here. Do you also with other people, because you, you spoke to me and I didn't have to come at it from a sense, the same um, uh, language that you speak to uh, that you, perhaps would use with somebody who comes from the more spiritual way of accessing this kind of truth. Cause that's how I see it is however you package it, there are inherent human abilities that we have been yes. cut off from. So you might describe it from your, and then do you, are you able to th um, work with people who perhaps like me don't come from that, spiritual sense but then find the language because you certainly did with me and I'm wondering if your business do you also engage with people who maybe don't resonate with that um, from the spiritual side of things but perhaps come at it from maybe this psychological and the practical um, yeah I love your question it's so great and I just realized something and you're asking um, what's actually in part happening to some degree um, is that it doesn't, if someone has not had any, any spiritual experience at all, that is completely okay. I mean, not in any, only, only science, only numbers, you know, nothing like that. <clears throat> or somebody who is so super, super spiritual that's been their whole life and study. <clears throat> What happens, not even from my own intention, but because it's part of my, it's how I am used, let's say, by something higher. Mm. 
I help find that almost middle point mm. for every for everyone. Mm. And that is we crack open, crack open, crack open, expand for those who do not have as much spiritual experience. And by the way, I don't use a lot of terminology in my sessions with people that if it's, if it's not going to really resonate mm. for people, because I don't need to use any belief system or terminology of my own. I'm really doing it you know, I'm channeling something or I'm providing something for the individual, um, like I said, so, or from where they're at. So we crack open, you know, if we don't have that experience, but then for those who are really, really spiritual, sometimes what is missing is the integration, which is to say then the grounding down mm. and the, and from the over the expansion, the expansion, the expansion, extraordinary, exquisite feeling of like being in communion and connection to all that bigger, bigger, bigger stuff fabulous. Now we get to pull it all in. You don't lose that stuff. You don't lose it, but you pull it all in and you begin to bring it into an integration so that ultimately you become more human and you take all that expansion. You've learned all the gorgeous gorgeousness of all that extra sort of that space and that connection of that other stuff. I say other stuff because there's a lot. It could be quantum fields. It could be guides. It could be source. It could be etc. Um, uh, and then not just center it, but integrate it, mm-hmm. so that you're then back in without having lost the sense of who you are from that spiritual space. Integrate it. Uh, excuse me. Um, have it be more human. So the answer is yes, that I, I realize I'm really provide, I, you know, when people say, who's your ideal person? I'm like, there's like a huge gamut, right? It really is because I'm being used for no, what's the alignment? Well, I can speak to that because as a person, and I, I kind of describe myself as ambivalent, uh, agnostic, if you will. Uh, and it, to me, I love all of the narratives because I love, so you were able to engage with somebody like me very you know first like one-on-one just coffee chat and like you just have my mind firing off in all different directions so it's uh I wanted to put that out there too because for anyone listening uh yeah my experience as somebody who doesn't come from the spiritual space and somebody's quite ambivalent about all of that stuff but finds it interesting I just like I got practical information in the language you used that helped me and that you were wasn't even a session it was just just you know chatting and getting to know each other thank you thank you for that acknowledgement too thank you (laughs) oh my gosh well all right i have to say this has been delightful uh and i really appreciate your time today i think the real bottom line that we're talking about here is is that potential is is big tapping our own potential is large tapping into is important but also grounding and integrating that piece uh, so that we actually act on things is important as well. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, so much for having me here. I loved it. <laughs> thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.